episode of the Merchant of Magic podcast. I'm joined today by Ben Williams. Hello. Uh, and Paul Knight. Hello. And I'm Dominic Rays. Today, uh, like the other episodes, we're going to start off uh, with a question that's been sent in to the magic shop. Uh, uh, ben, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is actually one of the most common questions we get asked. And uh, I'll just... I'll, shorten the question because everyone asks it in a slightly different way but the basics is whenever I go to perform I get the shakes have you got any advice now this is something that I actually had to deal with when I began performing magic because I'm not really that outrageous a person apart from when I'm in magic mode Um, so when I first started performing it was very unnatural for me to be the center of attention and that would caused me to get really nervous, begin shaking, and I would visibly shake when having people select cards and things like that. Now, obviously, you want to not have that because you want to exude confidence when you perform. So there's actually a few little tips that really help me that I'm sure will help you too. The first one is just be prepared. So learn your tricks inside out so that you know where you are at any point during any routine and also have some patter just as backup if you need it because that can help you get through the routine very easily. Uh, Secondly, I would say to try not to, it sounds silly, but try not to think about going to perform too much. The more you think about going to perform, the more you're going to put fears in your own mind and the more fear you have, the worse it will become. Uh, So you really have to... Just accept that you're going to perform to some people and not think about it. Try and put it out of your mind uh, so that it's not a focus there. And the third tip, this is probably the the most uh, important tip, is to control your breathing. Because I don't know if you realise, but when you're feeling nervous, you're not breathing properly. You're not taking you're taking much shallower breaths. So the amount of actual oxygen in your bloodstream is decreased. So that makes your heart pump even harder to get the blood around your body to try and milk as much oxygen out of it as possible. Now, when you do this, it's a very sort of uh, vicious circle you can get into because you lose confidence, you know, because you shake or something like that during a performance. That puts you off doing it again, which in turn gives you more fear. The more fear you have, the more sort of tense and stressed your body gets the less you breathe properly the more nervous you get the more you shake and it's a vicious circle that you just go round and round in so when you go to perform accept that you're about to do some some magic know what you're about to do and just spend 30 seconds to a minute taking some really deep breaths breathing in and out and it's it's almost like self-hypnosis um, you're just really relaxing your body and you will feel your heart rate decrease and everything will relax a bit and just try and center yourself in that sort of way. Realize that it is physiological, this issue, as much as it is mental. And I'm sure if you start to control your breathing, that will be sort of 70% of the battle over. So those are the three things that really, really help me. Do you think part of it as well is uh, adrenaline? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, there's there's adrenaline there as well, which which will never help the shakes. Uh, what you'll find though is once you get more comfortable with performing, the adrenaline is just a bit more of a buzz, uh, and it can actually serve well to push you to do things which you might not usually do. Uh, you know, I know now when I perform and I'm having a good time, 
if if I get a bit of a buzz of adrenaline, I'll maybe try to steal someone's watch as opposed to just doing a standard card trick or something like that. Uh, so you can. So actually, you find it pushes you further. Yeah, 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 certainly. When, once you understand the difference between what the adrenaline is and what the fear is, uh, you know, when you first start out, it's all cloudy. It's all it's all just nerves. It's all just a, a massive apprehension to do anything because you don't want to get something wrong there's so many things that are flying through your mind so that's why i say prepare yourself and try not to think about what the performance is going to be like if you know what you're doing and you've studied uh, the tricks and the pattern and everything like that then you, you have nothing to worry about you have nothing to fear so uh, it's that old saying you know there's nothing to fear but fear itself so do you think rehearsal, uh, as well as practice, can help? Yeah, rehearsals definitely help. Uh, though there's only so far you can go with rehearsal. If you're finding you're getting nerves when you're going up to people, you'll find that you'll rehearse things and be absolutely perfect and spot on all the time. But as soon as you go to, to perform to somebody, the nerves will kick in and you'll, find just, you'll feel like you've been knocked back to square one, which is a really bad thing mentally. You need to... Uh, you need to perform to people and just kind of accept the fact that you're going to perform to people. It's It sounds bizarre, but if you just, you know, I know if I'm, especially when I was starting out, if I was going out to, say, a pub or a bar to meet some friends and I knew they were going to want to see some magic, then I would prepare what effects I was going to do. I'd think about what I would do and... I would pick my time to do it for people. If people asked to see some magic, I would say later if I wasn't ready. But I wouldn't be sat there all night thinking about what tricks I was going to be doing and how it was going to go or anything like that. Once I'd selected the tricks that I, I was going to perform, that would be the last time I'd think about the actual performance before performing. And that would happen generally before the gig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this, this is even before I was gigging. You know, right. This is when you first start showing people you don't know magic. You know, because you go through the whole friends and family process and then you kind of want more. And you feel like when you're in a public situation that you could show somebody in the public some magic. But then there's always these nerves that really hold you back from that. So that was the stage where I was at then. Uh, and then, of course, when I started performing professionally, you have all the fears and the thoughts about what the venue's going to be like. You know, is it going to be noisy? Is it going to be light or dark? How many people are going to be there? What are they going to be like? Are they going to receive me well? Are they not going to receive me well? There's a billion and one fears like that that go through your mind when you start performing professionally. And again, the same things apply. You know, be prepared. If you are worried about a venue, contact them. Find out what room they're in. You know, ask, is there going to be a DJ playing music at the time? Just ask as many questions as you can so you have as much knowledge about what you're embarking on as possible because, you know, you, you fear the unknown. But if you know what's going to happen, then there's no reason to fear it. I still get nervous even going to gigs now before I've gone to the first group I found. There. Yeah, oh, certainly. But the reaction of the first group eradicates all that nervousness straight away. Settles it you. brings all the confidence back. Yeah, yeah. and um, the adrenaline fires up as well, doesn't yeah. it? And that carries you through. Yeah, Definitely. I do, uh, I quite <coughs> regularly use Chicago Opener as a opening card trick because the first phase is pretty much self-working. It's a yeah. free selection. There's no controls that you have to do. You know, it's very fair. So by the time you've done the first reveal and you've got the great response... 
you've not really had to do anything. You've not had to think about any hard sleight of hand or anything like that. And it all is a very fair display. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, then you have the second phase, which blows their socks off. Yeah, and it's good as well because it kind of goes wrong. Apparently, goes wrong. Yeah. And you've got that sort of that awkward moment, yeah. and you've got that byplay. Oh, and this is my first oh, trick of the night. Yeah, you know? they, they, it's your first trick, so they feel bad for you as well. Yeah, because yeah. they're like, oh no, oh. you know, this is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes right, and so and right gives them a release yeah. to give you a good, you know, round of applause or show. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's an opening trick for so many reasons. And and it's a it's a really strong one. So so try and pick something like that as your first trick, something which you're confident in that it doesn't require too much work. That's on one of the Michael Lamar DVDs. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and and on Daryl DVD. Is yeah. it on Daryl? Yeah, yeah, it's on Daryl's Revelations. There's there's been many a version taught. That Goes under the name of Ro- Red Hot Mama as well. Yeah, there's oh, Red Hot Mama. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is that on volume one of Yes? Um, yeah, it is. Expert card magic made easy. That e- is it. Easy to master card miracles. Right, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, great, great idea. So, and do you f- still find you feel nervous then before? Yeah, yeah, I still get the butterflies, especially some, you know, important gigs and things like that, or there are gigs in certain parts of the country where you feel like, oh, you know, they, you know, you might have... Um, something like, that's outside of your comfort Yeah, zone, something, something exactly, like. exactly. So, you know, if I was go- had to travel up to Scotland for a gig, I, uh, because I don't know Scotland, I don't know what the social dynamics are in the cities or anything like that, I might, you know, definitely get, get some butterflies. But if you're confident, I know I've been doing this so long, I know what I'm doing, and, and it works. So there's no reason to start in, implanting new fears into my mind. It's, everyone is, it, every human being at their core is the same. Yeah, you know, so so use that to your advantage. Use that knowledge to your advantage, and 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 try not to try not to scare yourself too much. Essentially, that's what it is. You nervousness. You only make yourself nervous. Yeah. Nobody else is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Do you think for people that do find that they have the shakes to start with, until they get into that, so it's a bit like a vicious circle because mm-hmm. if. You go to a new gig and you're nervous and you're shaking. You become aware of that. Yeah. So you start focusing on that as well. And that it makes, makes it, it even worse. Yeah, yeah, and it can reinforce itself. So finding uh, a venue or getting some practice where it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing a gig that's free, mm-hmm. if you're doing like a, a charity event, a local fete or something like that, where they're just happy to have you and you're not having to prove anything. Yeah. Uh, that can be a good time because the pressure's off. Yeah, you yeah. can do it in your own time as well. I can't stress to you how much how important it is to be aware of your breathing. I, I'll keep coming back to that because that is one thing that will really physically stop you sort of shaking. It's, it's really as much a physical thing as it is a mental thing. So, so yeah, I mean, especially if, you, if you're at a gig that... that uh, they're just happy to have you say it's a free gig or something, a village fate or something, and you popped along to show some magic. You can do it in your own time. So go and disappear off. Take five, ten minutes to yourself. Mm. Go and focus and, and just just calm your breathing down. When I, when I do that as well, I'm not thinking about tricks. I'm thinking about my breathing. I'm imagining my lungs expanding and contracting, and I'm imagining what's going on inside my body, and I'm imagining my heart slowing down and not pounding as much, and and all of these things. When you start to focus on them, you realise that you can start to control them better. Yeah. 
And um, what about maybe if you are finding that you're shaking, maybe do something like a mentalism trick to start with that isn't going to require everyone focusing on your hands. Yeah. So yeah. if you're doing something which is just using talking, yeah, um, until you get past that first, when you get first that effect, reaction, you get that reaction, you relax, and then you can work into it. Yeah. For example, um, say a magazine test or something like that. The focus is more on the spectator looking in the magazine. Yeah. So you're not the main part, are you? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So <laughs> I remember turning up at a gig. This was years ago, and it was a wedding. And for some reason, I was nervous and I was shaking. It was the first group I was showing some magic to. I think I had a couple of routines I was going to be trying out, and I was pushing myself to that. And one of the ladies turned around and said, "It's all right, dear. Calm down. It's all right." <laughs> <laughs> and and I stood there and I blamed a a uh, a very famous energy drink, <laughs> saying that I'd drunk too many of these energy drinks on the way to the gig, and that's why I was shaking. It wasn't my nerves at all. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a very prominent memory. Another thing is drinking as well. I've noticed many times I've been at a booking and I've been there for two, two and a half, three hours maybe. And then I start to realise that I'm, you know, feeling really actually quite tired. Mm -hmm. It's because I haven't had anything to drink. I haven't stopped and had a glass of water and dry yeah, up. Yeah, that's very know. important. Yeah, keep hydrated. Definitely. Have a bottle of water in your close-up case. Yeah. And yeah. just whenever you return to it to get some more cards or another Sharpie or something, take a swig. Definitely, definitely. definitely. Now, I know you've, you've written a blog post as well that's on uh, the blog. Yes, yes. Uh, so overcoming nervousness. That's exactly it. So all of this that I've just been talking about, and probably a lot more that I've forgotten uh, to mention, is in our blog post, which is at blog.magicshop.co.uk. And it's just, uh, you'll actually find a shortcut to it down the right-hand side. Uh, it's a blog post that says Overcoming Nervousness. It is. It's in one of the popular posts at the moment. So yeah. uh, that's trending on the site. So it's well worth checking out. Excellent. Cool. Paul. Hi. What have we got here then? We've had a question from Connor. Connor. Hi, Connor. I'm struggling with the pass. Everyone sees it. What can I do about this? The pass, right? Everybody, every magician tries to learn the pass at some point. How many um, magicians actually perform the pass? So everyone tries to learn it. True, yeah. But uh, do you is, actually ever do it I, in a routine? This is the Unless cold you're truth. Doing hardcore card magic to another magician. Yeah, I do. I do perform the pass, but I don't perform it like you see it on these YouTube videos in an invisible manner. Mine's quite out yeah. in the open and it's covered with some body gestures. That's what I was going to say. Um, Connor, it, I don't know if you're a hardcore card magician, you know, follow the likes of Dan and Dave and those flourishy kind of guys. Alex Pandrea. And so forth. <laughs> um, if you are, fine, you know, great, crack on, try and perfect the pass. But if you're performing for spectators in the real world, essentially all focus should not be on your technical skill, it should be on your performing skill. Um, that's what they're actually interested in, I believe. Um, that they just want to see the magic happen and they want to be entertained on the journey. But I use the pass. Um, I'm not great at it at all. But when I started learning it, I was so focused on what was happening with the cards in my hands and watching videos of cards in people's hands. Um, I, was I was getting so frustrated trying to perfect it. And it was only when I went out into the real world I realised that actually that doesn't matter. So I'd practice the, I'd start practicing the turnover pass in performance. 
Um, reason being, as you're turning the deck over, you can be moving your arm towards the table to place the deck down so you've got more cover for any flashes that may happen. So a large action hides the small Yeah, action. yeah, large action covering the small action. Um, and that was my way of practicing the pass. Um, but it, again, it depends who you want to learn the pass for. Is it for yourself? Is it for magicians? Or if it, is it for spectators? If it's for spectators, I would suggest don't beat yourself up. up don't beat <laughs> yourself up over it, um, because there are so many card controls out there. And to be honest with you. Whichever card control you use, the spectator should be unaware that you are controlling the card. You're doing it at an offbeat moment anyway, aren't you? You are. You're making eye contact. This, this was something I was going to mention. The pass, when it was first originally taught, was never meant to be looked at. It was never meant to be invisible. It's meant to be done under under cover of misdirection. So, Like can, the palm. Yeah, the palm. Like, like the palm. Why, I don't know why people worry so much about palming cards, because essentially... Nobody should be looking at your hands when you palm a card. Yeah. Um, the classic way to make somebody turn away from the, looking at the deck in your hands and to look <coughs> at your eyes is to ask them a question. And that's, that's a standard thing throughout Magic, is, is ask a spectator a question and look up at them. And as you look up, they look up. So what you might be finding, Connor, is that you're putting too much focus on the cards at the time when you need to do the pass. And that's what people are looking at. They're looking at where your focus is. So if you act like there's nothing going to happen. I, I've, I've stood there before needing to do a move with cards and having everyone look at it and look at the cards. And I couldn't do the move at that point. So I'd just sit there and then I'd relax and look up at everyone and go, well, I'm not going to do anything if you look that close. And that's kind of a funny thing to say. But that gives you ample time to then do the move under the laughs and the misdirection. Yeah, and another thing as well with the pass. The only people I've ever personally come across uh, who say to me, hey, how am I doing with my pass? How, how does this look? Look, I've perfected it. And admittedly, a lot of time and effort's gone in, and they're brilliant at it. But they've always been magicians and that majority hobbyists, to be honest with you. Um, but no professional magician has ever come up to me and said, look at me, I've perfected my pass. Because they know in reality, as I've just said, it, it doesn't actually really matter if you're performing for spectators. Um, there's still a pleasure, though. Sure. There's still a pleasure yeah. and a great reward to try and really master a move. Yes, definitely. But not if it's causing you to feel worried about it. Because it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, you, are you only really perfecting a pass for your own personal satisfaction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's not going to be a tool that you need to work that much for in performance just, like just take said. a step away from it for a while yeah. and then revisit it yeah think about this as well connor if you've seen some videos on youtube or on the internet of people doing really invisible passes imagine if the camera if there was more than one camera set up on them because that's only invisible to that one angle so if you had if you imagine the camera was a spectator and there was 10 of them around then eight or nine of those cameras are going to get a massive flash of what's going on. Or if so, you could see every take as well. Yeah, but, um, yeah if you could see every take that they've done, yeah. Yeah, they're, then they're, everyone does flash it at times. And you can't cover it completely, so it should be done on a moment of misdirection, essentially. One thing I will quickly say is don't try to be too textbook. And by that, I mean 
um, follow every single nuance and move that is put in writing or on DVD relating to the pass. If it's not working for you, um, stop, look at what your hands are doing, what can you do to cover up the moments that it flashes. Um, and what I do is I tilt the top part of the deck forward slightly and that covers up my, my bad flashes on that. So don't worry about perfecting it exactly as everybody else does. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's 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 all I can really say about the pass, really. But, yeah. Well, that leads pretty much into uh, a question that we received from Malcolm, who is worried about introducing new gimmicks into play when he's in a routine. So, for example, bringing out pens and wallets or any item that's involved in the trick, uh, and not have the spectators immediately want to examine them or, or think that they're suspicious them. or suspect them. Hmm. Yeah. So, for example. A lot of people do this. Uh, you, you'll bring out, maybe you're doing a card to wallet or something like that. You're bringing out your wallet and you're going to be really worried about what they're going to say. And oh, great, here's an item, we're going to need to um, examine it. And people don't really need to examine things, especially everyday items, unless you're somehow telegraphing the fact that they maybe should be. Yes. Now, you know, um, I think it was Eugene Berger who, um, who, famously said, in order to make something invisible, pay no attention to it. Yeah. And that's really what you have to do. If you're picking up a sharp or you're pulling out a wallet, these things are just scenery and you pay no attention. You, you, you treat it as normal and they'll treat it as normal. But if you take a second glance at it or you look at it and then make eye contact with them and then look back down at it, they're going to... Uh, they can going to be uh, interested in Yeah, exactly. It goes right back to the cavemen, basically. We're, we're hardwired in to pay attention to what other people pay attention to. Yeah. Um, so just pretend it's anything that you don't want spectators to focus on, pay no attention to them and don't focus on them yourself and, and relax about it, and you'll, you'll find that's very easy. I think you'll find as well that, again, this is a mental struggle. It's a lot of magic gimmicks nowadays are made to look exactly like what they should look like. There's nothing outwardly strange about them. Uh, you know, like pen-through-note gimmicks. Uh, I have a rule with my wife when she tidies up all my magic bits and bobs. I say, if there is anything that looks ordinary, you know, no matter how much it looks like rubbish, don't throw it away. Put it in a pile, I'll come back to it, and I'll tell you whether it's rubbish or not. So... I really wouldn't worry too much because all these gimmicks are made to look like ordinary objects. So treat them like that. If your if your magic trick uses a pen, then just do that. Just use the pen. It's it's fine. If you if you were really doing magic and you really wanted to push a pen through a banknote, you would just use the pen. You wouldn't think about how dodgy the pen was or anything. So so try and use that attitude. Also, quickly, I say wallets as well. Take out your wallet that you use every day. Have a look at it. What's in it? I bet it's not neatly organised. I bet there's loads of old receipts in it, bits and bobs. Oh yeah. So chuck loads of old receipts in your in your Carter wallet or whichever <laughs> wallet you're using. Um, it's your wallet. It's yeah. what you use. It gets thrown around all the time. It's not worth eighty pounds. It's worth a tenner. I, uh, yeah. I get a new magic wallet and I and I sit on it. I put it in my back pocket. And I drive around with it and I sit on it for a couple of days until it's sort of worn in a bit and doesn't look so fresh and new. Yeah. Only you know it's worth. Um, yeah. And you've got to get over that, really. You've got to just sort of think to yourself, it's a £10 wallet. 
yeah. my mum bought this for me at one Christmas five years ago, something like that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 again, it's that fear thing. You know, you're worry. You might be worrying about introducing these items, and you haven't even tried it. You'll you'll realise that when you do try it, and when you do start using these sorts of items, that people don't tend to question it. Excellent. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Yes. Let's. Rick and Oliver ask, I am struggling with the confidence to go up to people out of the blue. Um, that's common, I think. Even for seasoned pros, Immensely. it's common. Yeah. Um, even everyone, even comedians on TV suffer with this. Everyone suffers with this. Um, there's no one answer to it. I What do I do? I go to a gig and now nine times out of ten I spend at least five minutes walking around the tables trying to pick the right table to go to and not coming to any conclusions till eventually I decide I've just got to get on with this otherwise I'm just going to be walking yeah, around the longer all you evening. Do, the longer you take doing that the, the longer you end up wandering around so yeah. it gets to that point where you've got to think right now I need to pick someone yeah and it's not an educated choice when I do it I don't think Right, I'm going to go for those first. Nine times out of ten, I just get to the point where I think, I've just got to put my dip my foot in the water and crack on. And nine times out of ten, from that moment onwards, as soon as I get the first reaction, which is why you need a quick, punchy effect first, as soon as you get that reaction, going back to the confidence we were talking about earlier, it goes straight away. I, I, I love the reactions I'm getting. Um, and... Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tricky one. It, it really is. It's a, the more you think about it, the worse it becomes. So don't think about it. You know, if you are prepared to show some magic and you, you know, deep down you want to do it, maybe you see some videos that you get inspired from, you've watched something, you know, like Dynamo on TV and you think you want to go out and do that sort of stuff, if that's really what you want to do, then just do it. It's, to some extent, it depends on Oliver's situation because he, he didn't write in his email whether he's performing to the um, commercially or to the public or whether this is going up to people out of the blue just in a pub socially I, or I something think, like that. Uh, in, Oliver's case, are different. in Oliver's case, this is, again, a very common question. This is probably the second most common question we get asked by everyone. But uh, in Oliver's case, he, was, he had performed to family and friends and was wanting to take that next step to perform to people that he didn't know. Um, so, right. you know, that would be in social situations, maybe when you're being introduced at a party to somebody or you're at a pub or something, you know, another, another little thing is if you're out with some friends in a pub and you've shown them a trick or two, why don't you say to them, why don't we go over and we'll have a laugh at somebody else's table? Because then you don't have to necessarily be doing new magic. Your friends can see those tricks again, but they will get enjoyment from watching other people reacting to them. And, and you can use your friends as, as a way of, you know, strengthen numbers, if you know what I mean. You're not going out there alone to do it. And your friends are probably more than, more than happily go and introduce, you know, say, oh, my friend's a great magician, can, you, do you want to see something? You know, and, and, then, and then your foot's in the door anyway. Here's a great tip. If you're over 18, we don't know how old you are, but if you're over 18, a fire wallet, straight away. Wherever you are, if you're paying for something and you're out with your friends, not in a petrol station, not in a petrol station, <laughs> as Ben learned. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, or brilliant. a paper factory, or, or a paper factory. <laughs> yes, a, a firework factory. Yeah. Have you have you used a paper, have you used a fire to wallet? 
I yeah, have right. I have. As an opener. I have, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've used it when I've been out with um, with a bunch of friends and we've gone out, um, just say for example, we've gone out for a meal and I'll just go to pay for something and I just think, do you know what? I'm just going to use my Fire Wallet and I've done it and it gets amazing reactions and straight away, instantly, they know that you're a magician. Well, they know there's something strong, strange <laughs> yeah, about you. So we all know there's something strange about you. It's very, yeah, I'm, I'm, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, Fire Wallet's brilliant. But only if you're over 18. I'm trying to think of some other things that are really visual and quick that you could just do that tell people instantly you're a magician. Well, so you're suggesting going straight in to a group of strangers and just doing some magic without first introducing um, them? Or even asking? Um, I think just being in the scenario. Say you're having a meal in a restaurant. If Imagine this, you're sat there having a meal and suddenly you hear a bunch of people go, whoa, you turn around and you see this guy with a wallet with flames coming out of it. If they know without you even having going having having to go over to them that you are a magician. See, I'm uncomfortable with that. That's why I don't perform socially. Mm. You know, uh, but the idea of going straight over to a group of people that haven't, but and you're not there as a magician. Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I'm booked and I'll go to a, an event and I'm and that's my role and I'm hiding behind that role. Sure. And so there I am. I'm a magician. I'm supposed to be there. I go up, introduce myself as as a magician, and perform some magic. Yeah. But the idea of just going up to some people that are busy having a drink, and you're not there. You're just supposed to be busy having a drink, and uh, and suddenly bringing out a wallet on fire. <laughs> it does sound. So like how do you know that they are just thinking, oh, oh, oh goodness, yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> we 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 have debates about this quite regularly, you and I, because I I will go out and I will perform to people that I don't know uh, in a pub or a bar, and I'll I'll quite gladly walk up to a table and you know and say, do you want to see some magic? You'd be surprised how many people are delighted with that fact. You know, with that question, uh, and if they aren't, if they don't want to see some magic, they'll quickly let you know. So you know, there's no, I, I kind of take a bit of pleasure in that, in in thinking that you've given something to somebody which they weren't expecting they were going to receive, and and a lot of the time it's very well received out in the public. You know, a lot, especially in this day and age, a lot of people have seen magic on TV now. Over the past couple of years, there's been so much of it. And they've never seen it in person. So, you know, to get the treat of seeing a magician without having to pay for it or anything like that is, is, is quite a, an enjoyable thing for a lot of people. So what practical steps could Oliver do? Uh, you know, again, it's, it's one of these things, the more you think about it, the worse it's going to become. So you can use, like I said earlier, use some friends and just say, hey, how about we go and show some people some magic? You know, I, I obviously I don't want to go up on my own, but, you know, could we go over and, and, and just have some fun? And your friends can be there, strength in numbers. That's one, one little tip that, that can help you out for certain. It's tricky, though, isn't it? I've just sat here trying to picture myself doing it. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody's got a different um, personality. It is down to exaggerating your personality, essentially, as a performer. Um, See, the thing, though, Paul, though, it's not difficult... The more you think about it, the more difficult it seems. Well, he needs a safe environment to yeah. try that out yes. where he's got a safety net because he's used to performing to his family and friends yeah. where he can just say to them, 
you want to see a trick? And oh, well, let me show you this. Yeah. Um, so he needs a he needs well what what social house so to speak. Yeah. What social situations do you find yourself at with your friends and with other people that you don't know? You know, maybe maybe you go to the cinema. Maybe you could stand outside the cinema because there's usually a congregation of people waiting to go and see a film. Stand outside the cinema and show your friends some magic and see if you gain any attention. And if people seem interested, then that's your that's your opening to go in and just say, hey, come over, I'll show you something. Yeah, yeah. And, and get them maybe to come over to where you are with your friends so you're not going over to them. You know, that's that's also psychologically a, a little a little benefit. A benefit. I agree with what you said, though. It's something that can become a bigger worry than it actually is. Yeah. It, it can become a, a real bugbear that just eats it up too much and stops you moving forwards. Yeah. You have to... You have to understand as well, though, that you will get rejection. You will get some people that don't want to see it, that aren't interested. And that's absolutely fine. That's, that's, not, a, that's not a bad thing. That's not it? a bad thing. They're just expressing what they feel personally, and you have to respect that. And, mm. you know, everyone likes different things, so don't worry if people don't want to see magic. You know, it's fine. Just dust yourself off and walk off. If I it see. bruises your ego, then... You know, you have to learn to get over that. I see, as everyone's got different tastes in music. That's what I think when I go up to a group of people. If they're going to turn around and say, no, I don't want to see any magic, I'm not going to, I'm not going to insist they see it. That would be like Tom Jones walking into my front room and insisting I sat there and watched him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd get up and go, you know. So, um, but, if, but if somebody that you liked came in and said, do you want to hear a tune? Steps or something like that. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, take that and all that. But, uh, but yeah, if, then you'd be quite happy to sit there and listen to it. So, yeah, take the rough with the smooth and, and try not to think about it too much. Excellent. Good. Well, that's all we've got time for uh, for this episode. Um, but make sure you check out our blog, which is at blog.magicshop.co.uk. Loads of articles gone on the um, blog this week. We did uh, an interview with Lorenz Godin, and he talks about uh, coin magic, psychology, and a little bit as well about his dynamic back thumb palm uh, from the... That uh, man has yeah. some skills, so does, listen yeah. to what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's a, a good post on there. Um, we've written as well. We did a post a while back about transferable skills in card magic and why it's important to uh, choose items to begin with that will give you skills which will carry on further rather than just sort of one-trick pony DVDs or, or, or items. Um, so you'll start learning things like uh, the Elmsley Count and like how to... Um, uh, control cards and things like that rather than just single tricks that won't teach you anything other than how to do the trick uh, a lot of people came back saying um, could we tell them what those core moves were which uh, which I, which moves we would suggest that they learn first and maybe some kind of order um, for that so there's a post um, how to do card magic the core skills moves and slights um, that is worth reading that's all we've got time for now, so if you have any questions at all, drop us a line at support at magicshop.co.uk. Uh, check out the blog, which is blog.magicshop.co.uk, and keep practicing. Cheers for now. Bye. Take care. Bye.